Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We don't fall into the, the narratives, but our team, you know, we, we take that to heart and we go out there and play football. Time to double down. There's two of us, but only one crown. Oh, oh for the touchdown. Give it to Edwards straight ahead. Of the game for Lamar Jackson. Oh, hit it with the moves. Okay. With that dominant win over the Dolphins, the Ravens clinched the number one seed and home field advantage throughout the AFC playoffs. As a result, Baltimore now has a 56% chance to reach the Super Bowl, according to ESPN Analytics, which is the best chance in the AFC by far. A lot of people think they're the best team in the NFL. As we welcome you to NFL Live, everybody, glad to be with you today. Dan Orlovsky is here, Marcus Spears, Mina Kimes, Dan Graziano joins us with news in just a little bit. We got the wave going, so all is well. Later, something about the Cowboys that Swagoo says will hurt them in the playoffs. We'll get to that. But we're going to start with the Ravens' dominance over the Dolphins on Sunday, okay? The Ravens beat the Dolphins by 37 points on Sunday, less than a week after defeating the 49ers by 14. They are the second team in NFL history to win consecutive games by 14 or more points, both against teams that entered the game with at least 10 wins. The Ravens joined the 2009 Jets, who, of course, reached the AFC Championship game, but then lost to the Colts. We've seen this dominance. Dan, what has this Ravens' offense doing right now, hitting on all cylinders to have so much success. Yeah, their identity has become a play-action pass offense, and that's something that we have begged really since Lamar became a Baltimore Raven. We didn't know if Todd Monken was exactly going to lean into it. I love the fact that it's like their big 12 person. I remember 12 is one back, two tight ends. The two tight ends on the left, I call it big because one of them is Ricard. You got eight guys in protection. Play fake. Look how long Lamar can hold this football. Not only that, but then the protection that is afforded in the pocket. Five and a half seconds almost. That's what allows him to drive the ball downfield. That's really what's been the foundation of some of their big chunk passes. Again, two big tight ends on the left, one being Patrick Ricard. You get the motion. Seven guys in protection, only five guys rushing. This is what's allowing this offense to generate throws down the field that aren't just drop back one-on-one. And it's fascinating to me that, one, Lamar struggles a little bit, as he always has, with pressure. Well, this kind of protects against that. Number two, it allows those longer developing plays downfield. And then three, it's kept him clean. And no longer do we have to have this conversation of, are the hits that Lamar Jackson taking adding up? And I think it's brilliant by Todd Monken, their offensive coordinator, to make that the foundational piece of the offense. Dio, I love what you talked about with Big 12, and I think the versatility of Patrick Ricard no doubt. puts this team in a situation where they, they can make defenses be in looks that they want. I had a drive in this game when I was watching it where I thought it was phenomenal with his usage and talk about his 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 perspective. Look at him block at the end of the line of scrimmage. We're going to talk about Patrick Ricard and the number of jobs that he has. This is a seal block on the outside with Van Geekle. 
Now you get him in motion, and because of what Dan talked about being a big tight end, you feel comfortable with him blocking the edge. This is edge pressure. He gets his man out of the way. Lamar has a free escape. And then when you get down by the goal line, it's almost like having an extra offensive lineman in the game, which your numbers are, are in jeopardy if you're a defense. He gets this seal block on Van Ginkle and opens up the way. But the thing is, man, we always talk about it, and Dan, you and MK talk about personnel yeah. and how this team should, should play football. I think the Ravens have more flexibility with one guy to play all types of personnels with Patrick Ricard, yeah, no probably doubt. as well as anybody in this league based on what he does. He's at home watching. Show my touchdown. Show my <laughs> touchdown. Um, yeah, that was a great play. Uh, this offense, uh, it gives you so much to defend. It was good before. I think that needs to be emphasized, but sure. it's great now. Because uh, it's so multidimensional. I mean, in the past, as good as they were, if you could stop the run and take out the middle of the field throws to Andrews, you stood a pretty good shot against this group. Now, if you key in on the run, to Dan's point, they'll kill you with the play-action pass. Lamar Jackson has been the best quarterback in football. Throwing to the intermediate part of the field leads the league in QBR, EPA to play every metric. Uh, if you crowd the middle... They'll beat you outside the numbers. Now they have wide receivers who can win outside yeah. that throw to OBJ. My goodness. My goodness. Uh, and Flowers, of course. Uh, <laughs> if you play coverage, they'll run into light boxes. The Justice yeah. Hill run, uh, you, they're going for 41 yards. They had a, the light box blocked up. They had three backs on the field. My point is there are no longer easy answers against this team because they can beat you so many different kinds of ways. It really has lived up to the promise of what we had hoped it would be this offseason. Yeah, and it's fascinating because in Lamar's 2019 MVP season, the real key was the three tight end package, and you could not line up to it. Yes. Now that Mark Andrews yep. is gone, the reason why, you know, Marcus and I is like Ricard matters so much is because he's 300 pounds, and so he is like six offensive mm -hmm. linemen, but he's also good athletically enough and versatile enough to be at the tight end. And to Mina's point, there's really – you're back at that starting point defensively of how do you want to match – personnel against this offense and now that Lamar has got people on the outside it's even more dangerous and difficult than that MVP season it's just so cool to see him finally have these weapons that we've all been like begging for for yeah seems like a couple yeah. years uh, the other big news out of this game was the season ending injury for Bradley Chubb from Miami you hate to see that it Marcus you mm -hmm. think this is a deal breaker for the Dolphins Super Bowl hopes it feels like it, Boogie. It feels like it tremendously. I thought they would have to to kind of ride this defense a little bit in the playoffs when you start talking about how these guys potentially could get after the uh, quarterback. And remember, they lost Jalen Phillips as well earlier this year to a torn Achilles. Okay. And these are guys are closers. Y'all hear me talk about it all the time. When you get to the playoffs, it's two-minute at the end of half, and it's usually two-minute at the end of game situations or a drive to win the football game. And losing guys like this who can win one-on-one -on -one without you having to add pressure is catastrophic. This is a big hurt for the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, it puts a lot more pressure on that defense to put up points. Um, this is a defense that we talked about all year long. The philosophy changed so much with the change in coordinator to Vic Fangio, and they were able to get a tremendous amount of pressure with four. Now Vic is going to have to call more pressure. And he has done that in the past, by the way, at various stops uh, in Chicago at times, in Denver. He's going to have to do that now. They do have good, play, uh, good uh, linebackers and defensive backs who can blitz, and they're going to have to.
Yeah, mm. Jalen Ramsey might get a little bit even more involved. That's something that he would like. Chubb had 11 no. sacks this season, one shy of matching his career high, which was set during his rookie season in 2018. He was playing well, playing great. man. Let's God, get to some top stories well. as Dan Graziano jumps in with us for a minute. Graz, let's start in New York where the Jets parted ways with running back Dalvin Cook. Could we end up seeing him on a playoff roster this season? Yeah, I think that's the idea, Laura, is his hope that he would latch on with the playoff team at this point. Now he's got to go through waivers. Uh, he could get claimed, but if he doesn't, uh, he'd be free to sign with anybody. And, you know, I don't know, the Dolphins played around on that at one point this offseason. The Browns have been light at running back, and he played for Kevin Stefanski once upon a time. There are possible reunion spots, and he should have fresh legs. He only had 67 carries uh, this year for the Jets. Eagles wide receiver Devontae Smith was seen in a walking boot and on crutches after the game Sunday has an ankle sprain. Uh, head coach Nick Sirianni said he was still in that boot yesterday, so we'll see how he gets through the practice week. Uh, we're being told it's a mild ankle sprain, but obviously there's at least some question about his status for this weekend's game. No question about Christian McCaffrey's status for this weekend's game. He's not going to play. He picked up a calf injury in the 49ers game on Sunday. The Niners, of course, have the number one seed in the NFC locked up and don't have to win this weekend's game. He may be not the only one who rests, and then they'll get another week off before they have to start their playoff run. And in Pittsburgh, where they're hoping to get on a playoff run, you're going to go with Mason Rudolph at quarterback one more game. Why are they doing it? Well, he's outplayed the other guys. Mike Tomlin runs a meritocracy, and he thinks the offense has worked better since Mason Rudolph's been in there at quarterback, so they're going to ride it as long as that continues. If they are able to win and qualify for the playoffs, Tomlin has said he doesn't know who would play quarterback uh, in the postseason. They just have to get there first, and it will depend on the way things are working uh, when and if that happens. Yeah, an important game for the Steelers against the Ravens on Saturday happens to be on ESPN as well. Dan and I will be on the call for that. Thanks to Graz for the latest there. You did see Kenny Pickett today saying, kind of correcting some rumors that he didn't want to suit up if he wasn't the starter. Yeah, he good said, on no, no, him for doing I'll that. I'll be the sure. number two quarterback. Right, a great teammate there. You like this decision in Pittsburgh, Dan? I do, and I think it's because, in Mike Tomlin's words, the offense has operated more smoothly. A couple of things that I've liked ever since Mason Rudolph has come over, number one, they've moved George Pickens around, and that's freed up not only him in this past game, but Deontay Johnson has been able to work the middle of the field a little bit. This is a team that's always run the ball at least well this year, and on a consistent basis. I think that has allowed more play action pass. So moving George Pickens around has allowed him to be more of the pass route concepts. You've seen slants. You've seen curls. You've seen in routes rather than and you've heard me complain about this all year. Stick near the sideline and just go run a go go route. He can do more than that. And then almost like what Cleveland has done with Joe Flacco when it comes to the gun play action, I've seen a little bit more of the gun play action for Pittsburgh, marrying that with that run game that I said that's been pretty good. So the offense back-to-back 30-point game, point games with Mason Rudolph, this is the right choice. Yeah, you can't deny it. All right, we're just getting started here on NFL Live. So much more coming your way. C.J. Stroud made his return on Sunday and showed out in an emphatic win over a division rival. Did the time off do him some good? Well, Dan will react to that next. Plus, the Eagles could not hold off the Cardinals on Sunday. What is going on in Philly? Is this defense costing the team win? Stick around to find out who thinks this defense may be complacent. We'll explain. It's all coming your way next on NFL Live. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. 
Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Week 18 NFL season finale is back. And Saturday, our doubleheader is loaded with playoff implications. The Steelers take on the Ravens at 415 Eastern. Dan and I will be on the call for that game with Chris Fowler and Lewis Riddick. And the Colts host the Texans at 8 with Joe Buck, Troy Aikman, and Lisa Salters. Both games on ESPN, ABC, ESPN Deportes, and ESPN+. Time to read and react to some of the biggest stories around the league. Let's start in Houston, where C.J. Stroud made his return from a concussion that sidelined him for the previous two games. In a win over the Titans, Stroud completed a season-high 75% of his passes. Stroud took what the defense gave him, didn't force the ball downfield as his pass attempts traveled an average of only 4.7 yards downfield, his shortish average pass distance this season. But, Dan, what did you see from Stroud in his return to the football field? Yeah, I, I saw patience, but I saw him play fast, and that's a little bit surprising. He was off for two weeks. He's playing a defense that's going to play a ton of zone, and early on you saw that he was seeing the field very clearly, getting the ball out of his hands. And the second thing, Laura, you know, majority of this season for him has been working the middle of the field in their play-action game. I thought he threw the ball to the sideline incredibly well. On time to Nico Collins, <coughs> excuse me, to Robert Woods, and it was a very efficient and kind of vintage C.J. Stroud operation. We love to see it from Stroud. The big smile there at the end, too. You okay? We're going to get Dan I'm just so happy for CJ. Yeah, I know. You got choked up. Win it in if they're in this weekend. I know. That's That's a big deal. All right, let's go to Buffalo, where the Bills kept their playoff hopes alive with a win over the Patriots, but it wasn't pretty as Josh Allen completed only 50% of his passes. That continued a trend for Allen over his last seven games. Allen has completed 57% of his passes, the second-worst mark in the NFL ahead of only Bryce Young. So, Mark, is you concerned about Allen and the Bills' passing game? I mean, you could surmise that, Boogie, but I think it was a mature performance based on how the game was going. And if you look late in that game, Josh made quick decisions, got the ball out of his hand, kept the ball out of harm's way, um, and, and you saw the run game still be effective. This is the reverberation of having Joe Brady and kind of protecting Josh in these situations when it's available, him taking those shots and being able to push the ball down the field. I like this iteration. Obviously, I didn't like the interception at that time, But more importantly, Josh played very mature football. And I think if he does that, Buffalo will be in every game. And when those plays are there to make, he can make them, obviously. Yeah, I mean, uh, Bills fans would say the most important stat was the win that they got. All right, Sean McVay confirmed today that he would be back in L.A. next season. The Rams should be thrilled to have him return. Entering this season, the Rams had a 21% chance to make the playoffs. 
fourth lowest in the NFC. They clinched that improbable playoff berth on Sunday with their win over the Giants combined with the Seahawks loss. So, Mina, what stood out to you about this Rams turnaround? You know, given the preseason expectations or lack thereof, Laura, you could argue this was Sean McVay's most impressive season as a head coach. This is great news for Rams fans. A couple things jumped out this year. The evolution of the run game into the dominant unit unit you see there with Kyron Williams. Uh, and then the integration and development of all of the young players on both sides of the ball. Obviously, Puka Nakua having a historic season. Steve Avila at guard. On the other side, on defensive coordinator Raheem Morris, you've got players like Kobe Turner, Byron Young balling out. Credit to Les Snead as well. This Rams team appears to have reloaded. Yeah, um, Rams fans, be excited. Your guy's coming back. All right, let's go to Kansas City, where the Chiefs clinched their eighth straight division title with a win over the Bengals. But Casey's offense continued to struggle. The Chiefs went 3-for-12 on third down. Patrick Mahomes had started 84 regular season games in which the Chiefs had at least 10 attempts on third down. Their 25% conversion rate on Sunday was the worst in any of those starts. Kraz, what did the Chiefs have to say about their lack of offensive production on Sunday? Well, obviously, they, they say it, they need it to be better. They kicked six field goals on Sunday. And while they're happy that Harrison Butker is a good kicker, <laughs> they don't want to have to rely on him to that extent. So they, 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 the week for the Chiefs was about hanging together after a disastrous performance against the Raiders uh, on Christmas. They really felt like they did that and that that was their accomplishment for the week in addition to beating the Bengals. I talked to defensive coordinator Steve Spagnolo. He said, I've been around teams where if one unit's playing well and the other's struggling, there might be some animosity, you know, from the defense to the offense. He said, I haven't seen one ounce of that here. And he said, one of the reasons is we know over the last five years how many times that side of the ball has bailed us out. Hmm. So the Chiefs trying to win a second straight game for the first time since weeks six and seven. They feel like they're on the right track, even though they have work to do. Yeah, Graz, it's interesting thinking about the defense and the offense and how they're not blaming each other for anything, or at least the defense blaming the offense. It'll be remarkable if this Chiefs team ends up making hay in the playoffs considering the way their offense has looked. Great stuff from you. Up next here on NFL Live, the Eagles got another wake-up call on Sunday after they were stunned by the Cardinals. Are the issues on this defense fixable? Someone here thinks there might be too many holes to overcome. We'll explain next on ESPN. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. 
how do you lose to the Cardinals? Eagles were up 21 to 6 at halftime. We could have been better, been more efficient, just really taking advantage of our opportunity. This has been defensive ineptitude. Side into the end zone, one-handed catch for a touchdown. He's to the goal line. And the cross for the go-ahead touchdown. He lets it go, and it is intercepted, and the game is over. No, we still have everything in front of us to learn from everything that's going on as a team, and it's something we got to grow from. So after starting the season 10-1, and the Eagles have lost four of their last five games, no longer controlling their own destiny in the NFC East. Philly's defense has been the issue, okay, since week 12. They've allowed more than 31 points per game, nearly 400 passing yards, 400 yards, excuse me, per game. Both of those marks, second worst in the NFL, ahead of only the Commanders. Dan, what's going on with this Eagles defense? Everything that could be bad about this defense right now is bad about this defense. Mm. If you go to third down, and we talked <laughs> all year how they are one of the, if not the worst, third down defenses in football, go to the Arizona game. It's third and five. Look at where these two corners are. They are not making anything challenging for Kyler Murray and his wide receiver. I feel like I'm watching the Packers. We are giving a first down there. You're not taking the first down as an offense. They give it to you. Second of all, the interior of their defensive line. Marcus, you could speak to this greater than I, but look at this interior defensive line. I can read those numbers. If you're on the sideline, I, you're turned so I can read your number. And this Arizona offense just dominated it. If you go a little bit later in this game, interior defensive line. Last time I could read your numbers, this time I could read my numbers. This hole is absolutely enormous. There's no holding the point or holding a double team. And if all those things are starting to present themselves, someone's got to get off a block. Someone's, we say this all the time, go make a play. Oh. Number one, can't. Two, can't. Three, can't. There's very little signs of guys that can get off blocks. And so... We ask the question all the time, like, what is this team good at? I don't know one thing that defensively they're good at. Slay can cover. I'll give him that, but he's not healthy right now. We'll see if Amante Maddox can come back. Also, Philly, can you stop taking Hassan Reddick and dropping him into coverage and just let him rush the passer? So right now it's, it's almost worse than it was under Sean Desai. Ooh. Complacency. Complacency, D.O., is the word that came to mind when I watched them because they need to add people in, in pressure, and they won't because they drunk on last year and how their four-man rush was able to get after the quarterback. And to your point about that run game, at some point you just got to play technique. I guarantee okay. you if I call Big Fletch, what you start doing is you start sack chasing, right? You try to get after the quarterback more than, than because it's not happening, and this is what we're used to. And there's a song called Lean On Me, but it ain't no brothers to lend a helping hand on this defense in the front or the back. So when you start talking about the Philadelphia Eagles defense, it needs to be a schematic change yeah. or these guys need yeah. to get back to playing technique and earning their right to rush the passer. Y'all know I say that all the time. And look, I'm going to be honest with you, man. I've played against this Arizona run scheme before. It's a difficult scheme if you want to go sure. fast, if you want to play technique and cover your gaps. It's a really it's a really easy run game to defend. But I saw time after time these defensive linemen trying to get after the quarterback, trying to get upfield and getting gashed underneath. Then when you saw those numbers turned, it's because they're not playing blocks. Mm -hmm. They're trying to go create havoc in the backfield. And you start doing that when you struggle defensively because you're always thinking about the negative play. They need to get more aggressive with blitzing and stop leaning on this four-man rush as well. It'll be interesting. I want to hear Mina's thought on it, fella, because I would go, I don't know if there is a – 
like schematic or structural change that can help them. I don't know what Mina's thoughts are. Uh, Mina, so, I mean, is it oh, fixable? Yeah. There's no schematic fix for getting pushed around. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there, there were some issues with scheme. Dan, you pointed out Reddick dropping into coverage. Um, you know, the Cardinals came out uh, with the two tight ends, and, and it was easy pickings for them a couple of times. But that wasn't the main problem in this game. I think with the Philadelphia Eagles, if you had told me, well, they're struggling to stop the run because of the linebacker position, that would make sense. We knew that was a weakness, a question mark coming into this season. But watching this tape, I was so struck by – the miscues in tackling at all three levels. You had defensive linemen getting bodied, bodied by pullers. You had yeah. safeties and corners taking terrible angles. This is just fundamentals. And moving forward, when you ask, can they be better? It really comes down to, can the players play better? Because nobody's walking through that door to help them. And Marcus, what do you think? Oh, oh, pick me, pick me, pick me, because I, I love when we start talking about D-line play. MK and D-O, you are right. There is no schematic fix. There's a technical fix. Okay. And right now, this defensive line, they are not playing blocks. To your point, Mina, when you get pullers, you eat, your, your defense determines based on leverage whether you're going to spill or whether you're going to edge and push the ball back inside. They have no idea what the outside Why? defender is doing. You yeah. can tell linebackers are overrunning on, on hedges when you're trying to push the ball back inside. And when they spill, the linebackers are up in the line of scrimmage, giving up the edge. Is, there are technical things that they can do. Is that a do, communication thing? I think they can get thing? better? I don't know. Oh. Yes, Boogie. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's a communication thing. But it's also having a staple in, in how you play defense from a communication standpoint. Guys, when we get this look and we get this puller, the, the, the end of the man on the line of scrimmage is going to spill the football. That lets your linebackers know we can be fast flow to the outside. Based on look, we are going to hedge this block. So now the ball should turn back inside. They are so out of sync. With playing together. And y'all know, I talk about the run game. You build a wall where you force people in the gaps. And then when it gets to the outside, you got to have a guy to set the edge and make plays. They have no idea what their next man is doing next to them. And they're giving up yardage in the run game sometimes due to their own fault. See, what's interesting to, for me, Marcus, is um, that sounds like coaching. Okay? Like, that, that sounds like coaching to me. But then I also it go, is. well, Fletcher Cox, veteran, Brandon Graham, veteran, Shaq Leonard, Shaq Leonard, veteran, Josh Sweat, veteran. How, like, why haven't those guys, maybe they have, but like, if it's coaching in that regard, those guys have played a lot of football. Dan, the, dude, the frustration that you feel is what I feel because I think that is a veteran thing. Like, run, stopping the run, y'all, I was always taught, is like 60% of your mindset, sure. right? We talk about the physicality and all of that. But the technical part of stopping the run is really how you do it. Mm. It's not about having an Aaron Donald or a Fletcher Cox. It's about how we're playing on a string in order to get run stopped. So it is coaching. But remember, they made a defensive coordinator change in the yeah. middle of the season as well. So there are issues there that they – have uh, addressed and identified. Yeah, just a reminder, as they're referencing, Sean Desai, he's no longer calling the defense. Matt Patricia, 
calling the defense. We'll keep an eye on this. Sounds like there's not an easy fix, but maybe there is a fix. So we'll see if they do it. Still to come, has Justin Fields done enough to secure his spot as QB1? Or will the Bears move on from him in the draft? Dan heads to the touchscreen to show how Fields' play has made this decision even harder for the Bears. I don't know what the Bears are going to do. That's oh, I don't know what the Bears decision. are going to do either. Yeah, there's no good answer. If they win this week, they're Tricky. still in playoff. They've won contention. four of the last five. They don't play. Mm. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Countdown crew has you covered for Week 18. The season finale Saturday at 3 Eastern before Steelers-Ravens and at 7.30 Eastern leading into Texans-Colts, both on ESPN and ABC, plus the usual three-hour show Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern. Glad you're here with us on NFL Live. Hey, one of the biggest question marks now and into this offseason is what do the Bears do with Justin Fields? He's making the decision so much harder with good play. 268 yards and a touchdown through the air. Another 45 yards and a score on the ground. And the Bears have won four of their last five games coming off of this win over the Falcons. They have the number one overall pick in the draft. But, Dan, Justin Fields may be hard to let go of. Yeah, and really the story since he's come back is recognition. Seeing the field so much clearer. So you're going to get motioned by this receiver, okay? Now, Justin's got to see it through the snow. So do you. So defensively, as a quarterback, you're sitting there going, okay, Emotion, they match. I think it's going to be man coverage. What that means is this slot defender you think is going to play DJ Moore one-on-one, and then that safety, Jesse Bates, coming over is going to have that receiver that went in motion. You are anticipating man coverage, so you got to see it the right way. Now, what the Bears do is they go switch release. They're going to take DJ Moore and go inside to the corner and take that slot receiver or number three and go outside into the short end. Now, remember, Justin Fields is thinking that this defender is going to carry DJ Moore in man coverage. But Atlanta changes it up. Because of the switch to release, they pass off the responsibilities. That slot defender actually takes that number three receiver that started inside and goes up. And then DJ Moore is going to run the corner off to safety. Justin Fields has to do a great job of seeing how that defender squats, changes responsibility, and get the ball out to the back corner versus very good coverage for a touchdown. That is absolute recognition. This might be my favorite clip so far of this game. What you're going to get is that big in route up top to DJ Moore and then a crossing tight end as number one to then number two, specifically versus man coverage. Now, what I love about this is one thing. The timing and recognition by Justin Fields. He goes ball fake, okay? And as he goes 
ball fake. He's staring right here at that tight end since it's man coverage. Do you win on that crossing route? Now, that safety kind of shades that way, so you don't love this. Now, do you guys remember earlier in the year he played at Tampa, and there was that clip that went viral of Justin holding the football even though where people were open? I was like, he looks like a young man that just doesn't trust what his eyes are telling him. Now, watch. I want you to see Justin's going to go one, two, three, and in one hitch, rip that big in route to DJ Moore. Watch this. Okay, one, two, three. There's one hitch, and Justin right now is going to let that ball go. Look at DJ Moore. He is not running the route. He's not even remotely close to being open right now, but Justin finally is trusting his eyes in what they're telling him to do. Cut the ball loose on one hitch. He's already throwing it. DJ Moore is not even in the cut just yet. He's just getting to the top. Justin's letting the ball out. Not only that, it's man coverage, and tell me where the football is. Absolutely right on DJ Moore in stride as a perfect throw from Justin Fields, and that leads to some yards after the catch for this offense. That's a different player than we saw that first month of the season. That's a different player that we saw against that Tampa Bay Buccaneer defense, and it's finally to the point of comfort and mm. conviction with what his eyes are telling him to do, and you see it the way in which he's throwing the football, and I think <laughs> the Chicago Bears need to sit there and go, we better make sure that we're not just taking a quarterback at one to reset the financial time frame of our organization. I'm honestly happy for him that he's doing this right now and making it so difficult. Let's look at that draft order, okay? They will have a difficult decision because Field's future uh, is after the Panthers' loss on Sunday, Chicago clinching that number one pick. They also have the 10th pick. It's worth noting that in this year's draft. It, it, this is expected to include Caleb Williams and Drake May, as well as Heisman winner Jaden Daniels. And a lot of people wonder if he could kind of shoot past even some of these other prospects that people have been talking about for a while. Marcus, do you think Fields has done enough to keep that QB job in Chicago despite them owning that first overall pick and having a chance to reset everything with a new quarterback? Absolutely, Boogie. And I just had an epiphany while Dan was talking about that. You know what? All I can think about is Justin Fields is going to be fine. Mm. In this iteration of the NFL, regardless of whether Chicago makes the decision to keep him or they let him walk, some team is going to get a hell of a football player that's shown progression and starting to understand. This is why I love being on this show with Dan, because we can see year after year progression of quarterbacks based on how he looks at the film. Right. The anticipation <laughs> is something that has stood out to me with Aww. Justin Fields over the last couple weeks. And that is exactly what we used to talk about, the thing as opposed to holding him back. Yeah. And now you start to couple that with the match, with the maturation of him knowing how to get himself out of trouble athletically, like we've all known from his uber talented physical skill set. And it almost takes me back to the draft when we were talking about the talent is undeniable. Mm -hmm. It's about how you coach him. And Dio, you know who it makes who, who I think about how you talked about Anthony Richardson mm. coming out of this draft yeah. and pairing him with Shane Steichen. Whether Justin Fields stays with Chicago or he goes to another team, if he lands in the right situation, somebody is going to have a superstar at quarterback. I think the Bears have to answer a couple of questions in addition, of course, to the, their evaluation of Fields, which we've been talking about. Do you love one of the quarterbacks at the top of the draft. Yep. Because every time Fields plays better, that bar for those quarterbacks goes up. If you truly love Caleb Williams or Drake May, uh, then I still think you make the move for also the financial reasons. Mm -hmm. But speaking of those financial reasons, I think the other question you ask is, of course, what can you get for that pick? Is it possible 
that you don't actually move down that far in the draft. Mm-hmm. There is a mm-hmm. cluster of teams that need quarterbacks at one, two, three, four. Can we put so that there's draft potential order for back Chicago up again? to just move down a couple spots. Let's look at it. Yeah, and go ahead, Mina. Marvin Harrison Jr., Olu Fushanu, the left tackle out of Penn State. And you might love one of those players more than you love one of the quarterbacks. And to go back to the finance of it, um, it's a huge advantage to have a quarterback on a rookie contract, no doubt about that, and that factors into this. But if you trade that pick and you're picking at three or four and you've got other picks, it's a huge advantage to have other stars on rookie contracts, and that can counteract some of the uh, potential money you would have saved. So it's not an easy eval, but I think you have to evaluate. Like, It's not just about Justin Fields. It's not just about the quarterbacks. It's also about what other players could you potentially get at the top of the draft to build around fields. Marcus, we're coming to you, but Dan, Pats, Giants, as we looked at that, Commanders, there's Falcons. So many of these teams are, are in need of quarterbacks. Yeah, I, I just don't think, like, if you're Chicago, the picks have to be picks from organizations or teams that you believe are going to be poor for a two- or three-year stretch. I don't care about your 20-second pick if you give it to me three times. So, Washington, you think maybe the Giants, I think, are going to be too yeah. good, specifically on defense, for them to be worthy. New England might be the case. And so, I, I think this also has to come into the, the factor. What does Chicago think about Justin? Because if Chicago thinks Justin's a good player – and someone's giving him a second-round pick, well, then you sit there and go, well, maybe we move on. This is what he's been in the NFL since he came back, okay? Since he came back, they're 4-2. They're averaging 25 a game, and he's accounting for almost 270 yards. That's top 10 in the league. So if Chicago thinks he's good and someone's going to give him a second-round pick for Justin, great. Now, if Chicago thinks Justin's going to be great and someone's second offering round a second-round pick, enough, right? you're not enough. Yeah. So that's part of that as well. Go ahead, Marcus. Commanders, uh, flip flip that second pick, go get Justin Fields, and Chicago with that 10, maybe you switch that slide out as well. That's what I would well, do. If Washington Listen, is offering you the second Washington- pick for Justin Fields, you can't, if you're Chicago, you can't run enough and, and trade it. Dude, because well, think yeah, about it's, it, Dan. It's about they that top pick. They're going to draft a quarterback anyway, right? Like, I, I maybe not. Maybe they love Sam Howell, but I'm thinking about new ownership. I'm thinking about the weapons that you have in Washington and the ability to go there with a quarterback with that skill set that Justin Fields has. I wouldn't think I, it, it would be a no-brainer for me when you start talking about cachet. You know, it'll fill up the stadium if sure. he ends up there. And two, you got Terry McLaurin, who he knows there. So I, to me, I'm, I may be wishful thinking, but when I look at that situation with with the potential of Eric Bieniemy still being there, depending on what they do, that could be a match made in heaven. The draft is April 25th, by the way. So we've got a few months here before Oof. this all gets figured out. And you got to think, Caleb Williams, Drake May, Jaden Daniels are going to be talked about a lot yeah. when it comes to those top Don't picks, forget how good those guys are. Yeah, They're exactly. They're great. Coming up with a wild finish in Jerry World. The Cowboys <laughs> held on to get the win over the Lions. But Mina saw something more concerning to her than Mike McCarthy's time management. Okay, she's going to explain this. You don't want to miss it. Next on NFL Live. We'll be right back. We've got some special ones for you for this season's playoffs. We'll cap off Super Wild Card Weekend with the annual Monday night game on January 15th on ABC, ESPN, ESPN2 with Peyton and Eli on ESPN Deportes and ESPN+. 
The divisional round game will be either Saturday, January 20th or Sunday, January 21st on ABC, ESPN, ESPN Deportes, and ESPN Plus. It's all right here on the Disney family of networks. All right, let's get you back to Lions and Cowboys in this game on Saturday. At 25 seconds left, Lions in the red zone. Jared Goff hitting Amon Ross St. Brown, diving into the end zone. Dan Campbell goes for two. So on the two-point conversion to win the game, it's play-action pass to the lineman Taylor Decker, and it's good. There's a flag on the play. It could be coming back. Illegal touching on Decker. Trash. Did not report as eligible. Most talked about play from the game. You heard Dan say trash. So this is, this is the discussion here, and Dan Campbell can't believe it. Lions go for it again at the 7, and then Goff picked off by Marquise Bell. Cowboys called for offside. So <laughs> Lions going to go again. Third attempt at the conversion. Goff again passing. He's looking for James Mitchell, and it's off target. Target. The Lions lose 20-19. to 19. So all that was crazy. They get the win despite all the craziness for the Cowboys. But it doesn't mean there isn't reason for concern in Dallas, okay? So owner Jerry Jones was asked about this morning about their lack of a run game. Take a listen. Yes, I do. Uh, but uh, that's the place to be concerned. And um, we should be. We should always be concerned about the run going into the playoffs. But uh, do, we have, uh, do we have the ability to run the ball in the playoffs? And yes, we do. All right, so Jerry's not worried. Uh, Marcus, you agree with Jerry that this won't be an issue in the playoffs? Uh, I want to see it because uh, based on what I've been watching the last few weeks, it is an issue, a big issue when you start talking about their ability. Even even it limits everything when you when you can't do it and when you can't have it be effective enough to create doubt in a defensive mind. Y'all know this. Y'all have heard me talk about this a thousand times. When you get to the playoffs, you have to be able to dictate, whether that's offense or defense at times during a football game. And even in certain situations, you need to be able to go to something that you can hang your hat on. And I'll tell you this right now, going hanging your hat on the fact that we got to drop back 40 times a game because we can't run the football mm. is not a recipe for success Gospel. when you're trying to go win a Super Bowl. If you think about the teams in the in the, that's going to be in the playoffs, the two team, the, the a surging Los Angeles Rams, why? Yeah, Matthew Stafford is great, and Dan would love for me to tell you it's because of his arm. It's because of Karen Williams and the way this offensive line is running the football, why this offense can be explosive in a major way. When you look at San Francisco, we know damn well they're going to run the football at a high clip. We've been going crazy about Philly because they haven't shown it. They showed it against Arizona from an offensive standpoint that they can do it, which should make them more affordable. Dallas is the team going into the NFC playoffs where you look at a part of their game and you say that is a weakness. It's a weakness right now for them, and they better shore it up if they want to have a chance to go the whole way. Let's take it to another layer. Mina, are you concerned at all with how Mike McCarthy called the game? Yes, yes. Uh, You know, they couldn't run the ball, but they insisted on doing it anyways. 15 times on first down, average two yards per carry. And, And to Marcus's point, you know, sometimes you obviously have to run the ball to keep defenses honest and get the coverages you want. But when it's not working, the insistence on banging their head into the wall, putting the quarterback in disadvantageous positions, going up against a defense that, by the way, is much better against the run and has no one on their roster who can cover C.D. Lamb consistently on the outside. I don't understand his approach. He basically ran when he should have passed, and at the end of the game – passed when he should have ran. 
Uh, and, and I don't want to be too hard on yep. McCarthy because he's been really good this season. But it's this kind of game that makes you worried going into the postseason because of how he managed it or mismanaged it, rather. Yeah, there's a difference between commitment and ignorance. And, and to your point, Mina, like the, yep. the, con, the consistency in which Mike McCarthy was calling the run on first down was a sign of ignorance. I remember in the group text, you're like, dude, what are they doing? They can't cover CeeDee Lamb. And so it was wild to watch. And I also think we we get to this point of the year, and it's like, is that a blueprint? Absolutely. There is a defensive blueprint. If Mike McCarthy is going to be, I guess, stubborn and hard-headed on early downs running the football, all Detroit did was move their defensive line on early downs and pressure with run run stunts. It's kind of what Steve Spagnola does Mm -hmm. with Kansas City defensively. So. If you're going to do that, Dallas, teams are going to tee off, specifically even more so if they have good coverage units as they get into the playoffs for players like CeeDee Lamb. So I think that Mike McCarthy like needs to learn from that situation to help that run be better. Yeah, and Marcus, you know, I think one of the things here as we talk about this is you have to think about Mike McCarthy's mismanagement at times in the playoffs in again previous in the season. And, and that's what makes you a little bit nervous, right? Yeah, yeah, it does. And and look, the point is we've seen it before cost them. So that is why it comes up. And 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 the explanation for what uh, MK and Dan is saying, I 100% agree with what they're saying. It's not about if you're doing it, it's how you're doing it. Right. And that's what they're trying to explain. And when you think about Mike hey. McCarthy, when we start talking about clock management or the runs on first down, give something different, a different look, an off-balance look. Maybe a jet sweep, yeah. maybe something like that, just to create a right. little bit of a change in what you're doing. He did get stubborn and foolish in that uh, in that Detroit game with the run on first down. And I do want to say he hasn't done this all year. There's yeah. been so many games this season where I have felt like um, he has had that right sense on the dials of run, pass, what to call yep. win, how to exploit certain defenses. But in this game. It kind of gave me flashbacks to, I don't know, some of those uh, offenses near the end of his tenure in Green Bay. And I didn't like to see it because I know this offense is capable of so much more underneath them. Yeah, Mina, you've given him credit this season for better coaching. So, all right, we'll see if he can turn it around. He's been good. He's been good. Guys, um, I don't really want to do this, but we're going to do it anyway. Time for one more thing before we go. We're going to check in on Dan's morning down in the seaport. It started with him eating pancakes off the floor. What happened? What the Dan, hell? Why would you eat a pancake? And then you smelled Molly Karam's shoe. Sweet oh. Molly Karam, who is a lovely person. What? You shouldn't have to worry about her. All right, shoe first of all, the shoes, the shoes are brand new. It's a joke. They're brand new. Molly just had them delivered today that Stephen A. bought them, so I knew it was going to smell like leather. <laughs> Second of all, like, you guys I'm act like you, na- you, ain't, you ain't never ate food off I, the ground. It's a pancake. Go, Mina. I thought I couldn't see any tape worse Man. than the Eagles' defense. That's worse. <laughs> That's worse. So gross. Stop that big. You guys, everybody, everybody has done that. Everybody, they just don't admit it. No, no. Five second rule, but not when it's a pancake on the floor. We'll see you tomorrow. How the 